Hey guys! Hello! It's Casey and Chrissy. And we are the Two C's podcast. It is a true crime podcast with a little bit of this and that. And, um, I would say it's more like mysteries than true crime because it's a bit of everything. Yeah. So this week we decided to go with. Um, urban, urban legends and folklore legend. One of mine's a folklore legend, and one of mine is an urban legend. Both of mine are urban legends. So, um, I say it's your turn. All right. So my first one, I believe that we're doing two each. Yes, yes. I have two. Okay, so do I. So my first one is called "A Haunting Tale of the Wicked Witch of Monroe, Monroe, Connecticut." All right. In the town of Gregory Four Corners is a graveyard that easily escapes notice by those who are not aware of the lore that surrounds it. It is a small burial ground located on Spring Hill Road in Trumbull, Connecticut. It is situated around the bend from the waste transfer station shared by the towns of Trumbull and Monroe. Nestled on a steep embankment, embankment beneath a parcel of trees. The graveyard seems dark even on the brightest days. From the road, it seems undisturbed and seething with a mystery that is daring to be discovered. The grounds are accessible only to the modern visitor who dares to enter on foot. So you can't drive to it. Uh, that's creepy. <laughs> that's yeah. even creepier. <laughs> right? That you have to walk to it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's on a huge embankment, too. <laughs> a rusty chain-link fence surrounds all sides of the burial ground, except the side running along the embankment overlooking the main road. It seems beyond reason as to why anyone would designate such a steep embankment, embankment to be the entranceway. Most likely, the embankment was not the original entrance, as it would have been difficult for a funeral procession to bring a coffin into the graveyard that way. Yeah, and I think they usually walked them up there, didn't they? Uh, yeah, back then, because this is the like day. the 1800s, I think. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the ground slopes upwards towards the southeastern corner set against a backdrop of dense woods. The headstones vary in size and compensa- compensation. Compensation. No. Compensation. Com- Composition? I can't say Composition. Thank you. (laughs) How they're laid out. I know. There is a row of graves marked by crude field stones along with intermittently dispersed colonial era headstones of slate and brownstone. Many are broken and sinking into the earth. The center area of the ground sports a handful of legible white marble headstones from the 1800s. But the majority of the markers have eroded to the point that the that they're barely, barely visible. In fact, Gregory Four Corners would be no different from any other ancient burial ground in rural New England if it weren't for the grave of Hannah Crana. Hannah Crana? Yes. That's amazing. Right. So, Hannah's grave sits on the edge of the embankment near the road. Her headstone headstone is dated from the mid-1800s and clearly looks newer than it should. 
In fact, at first glance, it seems like it doesn't belong where it is at all. It's so close to the embankment that you have to wonder how the grave site was dug without a problem. The top of the stone is always covered with coins left as tokens by those who visit the grave. Trinkets, trinkets and flowers are also left at the base of the headstone. It is widely thought that if you leave a gift to appease the spirit of the woman buried in the grave, she will grant you the good fortune you desire and not follow you home. Well, that would be a plus. Right. I don't do well with people following me. I don't want anyone coming home with me. (laughs) The headstone is modest, unadorned by elaborate willow tree motifs or chairs that so fashionably expressed grief and mourning during the Victorian era. Uh, the writing on the headstone is also equally modest. This word simply read, Hannah Crana, wife of Captain Joseph Hovey, 1783 to 1859-60. They were married for a year? No, her date of death is 1859-60. So they don't know if she died. Oh, they died. don't even know when she died. They don't know if she died in 1859 or 1850. That's disgusting. 1860. I don't even want to be that person that found her. <laughs> right? <laughs> Hannah. Sorry, Hannah. Hannah. Right? Please don't follow me home, Sorry, even Hannah. though I'm already home. Hannah Crana. <laughs> Hannah Crana's name is infamous in local lore. Of infamous. Tr- Sorry. Oh, sorry. What did I say? Infamous. Infamous. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I, I think mean, maybe I should have drank some alcohol before that I started is reading. How it's spelled. So. <laughs> infamous. <laughs> All right. Hannah Crana's name is infamous in the world or in local lore of Trumbull and Monroe. If you grew up in either of these towns, in all likelihood, you have heard the legend of Anna Crana so many times that you know it by heart. More than a century and a half after her death, Hannah Crana remains well known as the Wicked Witch of Marone, Connecticut. Born sometime in 1783, Hannah Crana, Crana's reputation as a witch supposedly began with the death of her husband, Captain Joseph Hovey. When Joseph's body was found under the outcropping of a cliff, the townsfolk of Old Monroe began to whisper that Anna had put a spell on him. Many presumed that it was Hannah's bewitchment that set Joseph off for a walk one morning in a state of stupor that led him to the fall of his death from the cliffs. Or maybe he just drank too much the night before and frickin' leaped to his death. Sounds to me like somebody didn't like Hannah and was spreading rumors. Poor Hannah. (laughs) Right. Following her husband's demise, Hannah lived in solitude with her old rooster, Old Boris. Old Boris must have been a very charismatic rooster because Hannah adored him enough to name him after a powerful and mythological god. Boris was the, was, was the purple-winged Greek god of the north, north wind in winter. Even in the eyes of the 18th century Christians, naming your pet rooster after a pagan god and living alone on top of a hillside in the middle of a wooded area teeming with wildlife probably wasn't the best way to keep yourself from being seen as a practicing witch. Hannah lived... Her whole life with the rooster. 
old Boris's <laughs> appearance and behavior only helped reinforce the belief that he was Hannah's familia. I don't understand. It, like her husband? Is that what they mean? Oh, it might be. I mean, I think it's odd that someone would have a rooster as a pet because um, I don't know if our listeners have had a rooster, but we've had plenty and They're all they mean. do is come running at you like crazy <laughs> kamikazes. Right, and try to attack you while you're walking. So I would say, yeah, that's the only way that they could maybe live with the fact that she had a rooster that was so close to her? I don't know. I don't know either. Okay, so his handsome plumage of ebony feathers were as dark as a moonless sky. Oh, Boris, you sound so beautiful. (laughs) Many people still superstitiously believe the color black signified the power of darkness. Oh my gosh! (laughs) I know. (laughs) Get original, people. The belief that every witch had a familiar is one that dates back centuries before the infamous Salem witch trials. Infamous. God, did I do it again? <laughs> infamous. I'm sorry. Salem witch trials. No, it's fine. I don't know. It's, and I know what it is. It's not like infamous is separated or anything. <laughs> Maybe I should have read this before I decided to read it. <laughs> Anyways, moving along. (laughs) That's what happens when we don't do our homework, guys. Right? I was too busy watching a TV show. We'll get to that later. About magic, actually. Anyways, uh, as the website Wiccan Magic points out, people thought that every witch had a familiar during the New England witch hysteria, and animals who formed a close bond with humans were believed to be the witches, I'm going to say, loved one. Well, or it could be like um, Harry Potter, where they each have their own animal. Okay, well, I wish they would say that instead of calling it a familiar. It's just weird. (laughs) Well, maybe if we were Wiccans, we would know something about familiars. I don't know. I don't know. Aside from close attachment to a person, these animals were characteristically mischievous or lively. Boris was renowned... Now, that sounds like a rooster. Yes, it does. Boris was renowned for having both of those characteristics. (laughs) He was a mean one, guys. Right. Instead of crowing at the break of dawn, old Boris preferred to crow precisely at midnight, an hour of the night known as the witching witching hour. hour. The first of a three-hour period during which the powers of darkness were intensified, so from midnight to three. Dating back to ancient times, the hours spanning from midnight to 3 a.m. have always been marked by a high amount of supernatural activity. During this time, a strong connection between the light of the living world and the invisible realm of the paranormal was and still is thought to occur. Witch hunters believe that satanic rituals were performed during these hours because the ability to communicate with the debacle forces was at its strongest. Didn't have any problems saying debacle, but apparently I can't say infamous correctly. Infamous? Yes, I'm saying I can't say it correctly. (laughs) 
Also, people during the 1800s superstitiously believed that roosters who crowed at any hour after sunset were communicating dire news from the supernatural realm, usually foretelling someone's death to the community. No matter which ear of which ear of belief was turned to the sound of old Boris's midnight crowing, the sound was never welcomed with glee. Old Boris's crowing scared the wits out of the superstitious town people. Or they're just crazy. Right? And making up stories. For real. Alright, so, of course, Hannah's disposition was also under the close scrutiny of the community. No doubt her cantankerous personality only made her seem even more witch-like to those who encountered her. She knew what people thought of her, and she used their superstitious beliefs to her advantage. Sounds, Good for her. Right? I don't want anybody to run my house to it, too. Right? <laughs> I'm going to be that old crazy lady as well. <laughs> Me, too. Widowed and old, she was most powerful in her ability to intimidate neighbors into giving her basic necessities, such as food firewood. I like this lady. <laughs> I like her, too. She cursed those who lacked generosity or disregard for her wishes. <laughs> now, is it really generosity if you're making these people give you stuff? No, like, but you also have to understand that this is a urban legend. So who knows if, true. like, she, if that was even true? True. Or maybe she was poor and needed help, and instead of being like, "Hey, do you need this?" Yeah. Or whatever, people made it out to seem like she was making them give her. Yeah. Whatever, instead of... I mean, like, that never happens. Right? (laughs) One tale tells the story of a young man who decided to fish for trout in a stream stream that ran along the back of Hannah's property on Craigley Hill. When Hannah approached the fisherman, she demanded that he leave her property, but he refused. Infuriated that he would disrespect her request, which I can understand... Hannah shook her cane at the trespasser and shouted, May curses fall upon you and your fishing. Still, he goffed at her and continued to fish. Mm, that sounds like a problem. Yep. Yet, from that point on, the young man's fishing skills took a turn for the worse. Or maybe it was just his luck that went bad. And he never caught another fish in his life. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> There's also a story that tells of a farm wife who was renowned for the delicious pies she baked. One morning, the wind carried the pies aroma towards Hannah's home, and she went to the woman's door to ask her for a fresh-baked pie. The farm wife offered Hannah one of the smaller pies. Hannah chided the woman for being too selfish to offer her one of the more generously-sized pies. You selfish woman! You may never bake another good pie in your life, Hannah cursed her. The farm wife never cooked another good pie. Oh, that's so sad. <laughs> but Hannah, you were one person. It's probably not even true. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? But Hannah was not always casting bad spells on her neighbors. One summer, a severe drought devastated the farming community of Monroe. Despite... Oh, excuse me, I can't speak again. Desperate... For some solution, one of the farmers called upon Hannah to use her powers to summon an end to it. Fanna? Hannah? I can't speak. Hannah, Fanna. Right. (laughs) Hannah is famously said to have promised 
By sundown on the morrow, your wish shall be granted. Mother Nature bowed to Hannah's promise, and by the next day, a drenching rain arrived and quenched the thirst of the ground. Thank God for Hannah. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Sometime in late December of 1859, old Boris died. Aww. Yep. Grief-stricken, Hannah made the final resting spot for her beloved pet in the exact center of her garden. It is said that she buried him beneath the stars that night that night after performing a bizarre funeral service. Oh Lord. Perhaps she wrapped the dead rooster in cloth, lit candles, or held an offering of flowers up to the moon. Many people said that the only time Hannah ever cried was on the occasion of old Boris's death. Now I will soon depart this life, Hannah said. Most people believe that she was stating the obvious. The death of her her pet was a sign that her her own demise was soon at hand. Whether it was supernatural at work or not, the loss of old Boris did indeed foretell of Hannah's death. In the weeks that followed, many said that Hannah's fiery spirit seemed to fade. When the week after Christmas arrived with a fierce freeze and heavy snow, the frail-looking Hannah rarely went far from her home. As the Marone Historical Society tells the story, a neighbor decided to check on her well-being when he overheard a low wailing coming from her house. Pale and weakened, Hannah allowed him to help her, allowed him into her home, sorry, and told him that the spirits of the great beyond were calling her to her grave. She then gave him instructions of her burial. Hannah knew that her own death was near, and after living most of her life as a feared outcast, she wanted to assure herself of a dignified burial. She told the man, I must not be buried until after sundown, and there must be ample pallbearers to carry me to my gravesite, Hannah told her neighbor. To these instructions, she infamously added, My wishes must be followed or trouble and vexation shall fall upon you. Local lore claims she was found dead in the doorway to her home the next morning. Not one version of the story can account for who found her. Perhaps the caring neighbor returned to check on her and discovered her fallen body. Exactly when he found her is not known either. That's probably why the year is 59 or 60. Right. Well, it said it was sometime after Christmas, so it could have yeah, been... it could have been the New the, Year. Yeah. Uh, we can safely assume it's possible that Hannah's death was not discovered until weeks later. Her date of death is uncertain, which is why her gravestone says 1859 oh, to January of 1860. The custom of pallbearers serves more served more than just the functional purpose of delivering the deceased to the graveside. In an article about funeral etiquette and customs, the website Opposing Views points out that by carrying the coffin, they honor and serve the deceased one last time. As was customary, the pallbearers would need to carry Hannah's coffin above their shoulders from her home at the summit of Gregory Hill and across town to Gregory Four Corners Burial Ground. 
dropping the co- dropping the coffin or having any other sort of disruption during the procession was not only disrespectful but was also believed to attract the wrath of evil spirits. The journey was under five miles, but bringing Hannah's body to its final resting place in the winter involved a treacherous walk over the hillside of Monroe. In order to carry her without peril, a significant number of pallbearers was essential. By all accounts, Hannah was buried in the winter. And since all versions of her story are in agreement to the weather conditions, it is reasonable to believe it happened then. True, sometimes the dead were stored in a shed or outbuilding of the ground until the ground was thawed. Yeah. In some small New England communities, such as Marone, it was customary to prepare the grave site before the ground froze, should the need for the burial arise during the winter. Stone slabs would be placed over the empty grave until a need arose for it, oh, which they would I mean, take. Right. That's kind of actually smart because yeah. then you don't have to worry about digging up the ground yeah. or like keeping, you know, the deceased somewhere before you, right, before you can actually bury them. We can assume that this might be the case with Hannah's gravesite. Being poor and without family, Hannah's funeral procession must have lacked pomp and frills, as was customary. Her neighbors probably tended to her body and arranged the burial procession. And if they followed the usual customs, the pallbearers carried her body in its coffin, feet first, out the door. In her book... Oh, we don't need to read that. On the afternoon that Hannah's body was carried for its to its burial, uh, Monroe was covered in snow. Practicality overtook the men who were serving as her pallbearers. They decided it would be too tiring to carry Hannah over the turbulent hillside to Gregory Four Corners by hand. So, putting their own need for ease and comfort above Hannah's last request, they placed her coffin on a sled. After all, she was gone and dead, so what would it matter? Uh-oh. But several yards down the road from her house, the coffin fell off the sled and slid halfway down her ha- back to her house. Oh, dear. Unnerved, the group of men placed it back onto the sled and used chains to secure it into place. A few of them decided to keep, an extra, keep it extra secured by sitting on top of it. At last, the strategy seemed to work until they reached the crest of the final hill just before the bend at Gregory Four Corners. The coffin began to shake so fiercely that those who were sat on top of it tumbled helplessly to the ground. Haunted by Hannah's warning of what would happen should they not respect her dying wishes, the group decided they would carry her coffin by hand. So, by hand and foot, Hannah Crana was delivered to her final resting place shortly after sunset. As they returned to their homes, the group of men were startled by a loud clap of thunder and a cold winter night sky became illuminated by a hellish blaze. They soon realized Hannah's home was engulfed in flames. 
Still spooked by the unexplained events of her funeral procession, no one was brave enough to venture over and put the fire out. Wow. The fire is said to have smoldered for days afterwards. And that is... She was pissed. The legend of Hannah Crana. Do you have a picture of her? Um, I, they didn't have one in the article I was looking up, but I will look it up and see if okay. I can find a picture of her. I was just her. wondering if she, like, how spooky she looked. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it's your turn. I thought you had two. I do. Oh, I thought we were going every other. Oh, we can. All right. I'm doing, uh, Urban Legend from Michigan. It's called The Little Girl on Knock Knock Road. Um, I read an article by Gabby Shaw and another article um, off of Michigan Other Side. I don't think it gave me a name. So, the, the real road is called Strasburg Road. And many passerbys have reported the sound of knocking on their driver's side window or rapping on their car, on their car doors um, as they're driving down the road. Oh, creepy. <laughs> the haunting is supposedly of a child who was killed while riding her bike down the road. Uh, yeah, that's effed. <laughs> um, Chrissy just showed me a picture of Hannah Crana. And it looks like she was... Hanging from a tree. Yeah. And not, like, dead or anything, but hanging by her arms. So we'll post a picture. Yeah, she's creepy looking. Um, so it doesn't tell me, like, who the little girl was, because obviously this is an urban legend. Um, but she knocks to get the driver's attention because someone ran her off the road. Oh, that? Um, another version of the legend tells of a group of teenagers joyriding in a car, because that's how it always happens. Right. It's... <laughs> For sure. Um. I saw what you did last summer. <laughs> right. I think, they made a movie, and, yeah. So, um, the kids were riding in a car that runs into a telephone pole. The car is caught on fire and started to burn while the teenagers were trapped inside, desperately pounding on the windows to get out. Oh, that's sad. Therefore, um, it would be the knocking. So, there's lots of videos on YouTube about this legend, and, um, yeah, so, um, yeah, I don't ever want to go on Knock Knock Road. <laughs> right? Um, yeah, so that was my first one. That's creepy. <clears throat> okay, so my second one is called Pine Haven School. And this one's fairly short. There wasn't a whole lot of information on it. Uh, in a small town of Jamestown, Tennessee, there have been many stories about a ghost living in the abandoned Pine Haven School. Supposedly, a boy who was kind of a nerd was in the bathroom by himself washing his hands. While he was doing so, the school bullies decided to sneak up on him and push him into the mirror in front of him. Mm-hmm. 
Whenever the boy's head... When the boy's head? Yeah, that. but that's not what it says. It says whenever. But it should be, when the boy's head was bashed in, oh. a piece of the glass went into his neck. He turned around to face the boys, holding onto his bloody neck and sliding onto the floor. The bullies watched in a shock as they saw the life drain out of the boy. Because they did not want to get caught, they tore the floorboards up under the sink and stuffed the boy's body into a hole to cover it up. The school is empty now and is free for the public to visit. However, be careful as the dead boy might come back to haunt you. Absolutely not. But it says, um, there were a couple stories that, um, people said that when you walk in, you can hear him moaning and groaning. (gasps) Um, and then also you can hear him tapping on the floor underneath as well. To try to get out. I don't know if it's to get out or if it's to, like, like, get your attention or something. I don't know. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that was, that was it for that one. Um, so my next one is considered a folklore, but we kind of knew it as an urban legend. Um, it's Bloody Mary. And, um, my source for this one was Wikipedia. And I was very interested in finding out how Bloody Mary went back in the day. Because I'll, I'll give you, like, the new version versus the old version. So... As a young lady could walk, um, a a young lady would walk backwards up a flight of stairs with a candle in one hand and a hand mirror in the other. Um, while in, in, obviously, if you've got a candle lit, you're in a dark house. So, picture that. Picture a dark house, walking up a flight of stairs, walking backwards up a flight of stairs. Nope. Um, one a candle in one hand, a lit candle, and then a hand mirror in the other. Okay, first of all, before you go any further, mm-hmm. let me just state that I'm the most accident-prone person For real. to ever live. One, I would die that way several different ways. <laughs> That's how you die. <laughs> several different ways. One, I would burn myself to death, tripping over and lighting myself on fire with a candle. I'd break my neck, tripping over the stairs and falling down it, or up it, whatever. Um, yeah, there's quite a few different ways. Well, and especially, like, back in the day, because, like, everything was flammable, because they didn't know, like... Uh, right? To make pajamas not flammable. I, back then, I wouldn't have lived past the age of, like, ten. <laughs> it's true. Could be. So, um... So, this person is chanting... The name over and over again. And I don't like to say that name very often. So, um, Blood Mary. So, chanting that name over and over again, looking in the mirror, you would see your future husband or a skull or Grim Raper if you were to die before your wedding. Oh, that's. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't, I don't know if we just made it worse or like. I, I don't know if I'm okay with that. Like, who wants to stare at a mirror? Because no. I, I don't, like, I don't know if kids these days, and when I say that, I mean, like, 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds might have heard of Bloody Mary. But I don't know if, like, younger kids Yeah, they do, because Parker about this and shit. Jersey know okay. about it. Okay. So, um, 
Because I remember sitting in elementary school and being like, oh my god, I went to this party last night. Well, okay, slumber party. I was like, you went to a party in elementary <laughs> Cause school. Because I partied really hard in elementary school. <laughs> yeah, right. I peaked really early, guys. And then um, we tried to do this, like, light as feather, step as board, yeah. Ouija board, you know, that kind of thing. And my grandma would shoot me if she knew that I did that. But anyways. Especially in her basement. Especially. Yeah. <laughs> And then we stored it there for quite a while. <laughs> yeah, but she never went down there. Um, okay, so nowadays, or as we should say, 80s, slash, well, probably 70s, 80s. I was born in 76. Um, nowadays, you're in your room in front of a mirror, or your bathroom, with, and it's dimly lit. So you probably have a couple candles going chanting the name Bloody Mary. Please don't say it three times. At least three times. <laughs> <laughs> then in the mirror, an apparition um, now shows a corpse, witch, or ghost that can be friendly. And I don't remember it ever being friendly. No, it was not friendly yeah, in any no. of our stories. It was like, um, oh, it could be friendly or evil. As... Well, Ours is, it killed you if you said it. Well, I don't remember it killing us. I just remember seeing, like, like the person's face and then blood, like, running down their face. That's all I remember. So, I don't know. So, um, and it's, it's, and it's sometimes covered in blood. So, some say the apparition may scream out the, scream at them curse them, strangle them, stealing their soul, drinking their blood, or scratching their eyes out. Oh my. And, yeah, I don't want any of those. So, when I was younger, there's this house, Chrissy knows about this house. We've talked about this house for many moons, many years. The house is creepy. And, um, I had, I, there was two or three sisters, and I can't remember what their names are. But they had, their dad was a pastor, I believe, and they were staying in this house until they could find a house or something was going on with the church. Like the church owned it and he was living there for a time. I don't remember, but she had a slumber party over there. And, um, we did this one night in the house and the house is on the corner of Henry C. and Beaver Creek. And... People are gonna, like, people that know us are gonna know what house we're talking about, but it's white, large house, looks like an old plantation house, and so we had, so I had friends that lived there, and us young girls were playing, like I said, light as a feather, stiff as a board, and, um... We did the Bloody Mary thing, and you know how, like, you hype yourself up, and you're like, oh my god, this is so scary, blah, blah, blah. So anyways, as we were getting ready to go to sleep, we noticed a flashlight outside. Nope. And it was close to one of the windows. And... 
then there was someone outside. I don't know if it was a family member. Like, I don't know if it was the dad. I don't know if it was, like, someone from the church. Like, I don't, I don't know. Because, you know, when you're little and you get spooked and you're like, absolutely not, you scream like a, like a girl. No, I, no, because (laughs) when I was in, I can't remember if it was junior high. It must have been junior high. Because I think that's when Tracy Zimmerman moved here, was around junior high. But I was staying the night over at her house one day and we were sitting on the couch in her living room watching TV and we saw a flashlight outside and we looked over and there was a man's face like smashed up against yes, their not okay. outside window and we, oh my God, we freaked out so bad. But there was actually somebody outside. Like we woke up her parents, we were screaming so loud. <laughs> <laughs> they ran outside and it chased him off the property, but... Like aye, aye, aye. yeah, it was scary. I mean, this could this could have been real too. I don't know. Like, I'm sure the parents woke up because it's a bunch of girls screaming at the top of their right? lungs. <laughs> and um, so anyway, so when I drive past that house from now on, all I do is scowl at it. I hate it. It's I, creepy. The house is evil. I mean, maybe it's not, but to me, it is. So, um, I guess that's it for this week. Um, yeah. I don't have anything else, so. So, what have you, what's made you smile this week? Um, I, oh, we painted today. <laughs> yes, we did. We painted. Hedgehogs, guys. Mine looks like a fat taco hedgehog. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's a hedgehog that likes to eat tacos. It probably does. <laughs> We're going to have to post pictures of, of them. It, mine's pretty hideous. My sky, though, looks amazing. It's a beautiful blue. It is. It's, it is. It's amazing. <laughs> um, Mine is, uh, and I already told you this earlier, Um, I was on Netflix trying to figure out something to watch, and I binged watched three seasons of... My next guest needs no introduction. Oh, I love that show. Um, David Letterman. And I, like, did not know how much I loved David Letterman until I watched this. So, if any of you guys, I know the young kids are like, I don't know who David Letterman is. Yes, you do. Oh, I'm pretty sure that none of the young kids are going to be listening to this anyway. <laughs> True story. If, you're, <laughs> if your name is Jersey and you are listening to Jersey. this... <laughs> I'm gonna beat your butt. Just kidding. I'm not really. Um, so last week we kind of ran like really, really late. Stories were very long. Um, yeah, we almost didn't make the. We almost hour. did not make the hour cut. Um, talking about the lump mansion. <laughs> <laughs> the lump mansion. Yep, lump. So um, she's lump. She's lump. <laughs> I wanted to recommend a couple of shows last week that I watched. Um, I watched Night Stalker, which was really good on Netflix. I've seen it twice. I I might watch it again. It was it really was, good. It was, it was really good. good. Um, if you guys get um kind of spooked by um uh like pictures of people in different positions that are dead and why am I cannot figure out the word that I'm trying to figure. Pictures. Pictures? 
Yeah. Are you talking about, like, photographs of dead people? Yes. There's a lot of those in Night Stalker. Or was it the... Yeah, in Night Stalker. So, if that kind of triggers you and you You're don't like that... You're talking about, like, the evidence pictures. Yes, evidence okay, pictures. Okay, I was like, what are you talking about? Sometimes, guys, I don't know how to talk. Well, I can't speak English, so... <laughs> as I've demonstrated every single episode. Oh, infamous. <laughs> um, You mean infamous? Yes. So, The Ripper was really good, too. Ooh, that was good. Um, Also, the one... um, I can't remember what his name is, the... I think it's something Rodriguez or something like that. Oh, the, the football player? No. Okay. Um, Aaron Rodriguez. That one was really good, yeah. too. But, um, no, no, no. It's not Rodriguez. It's something like that, though. But anyways, the the one guy uh, that was killing people that stayed at the Cecil Hotel. Um. Oh, what is his oh, name? Oh, it's not Richard Ramirez. Yes, yes. No, him. That would be Night Stalker. Oh, is it Night Stalker? Yeah. Okay, well, I'm watching not Night Stalker. There's another one about him. Oh, okay. Um, and that one's pretty good, too, but I can't remember what okay. it's called. Um, and then I'm also... Okay, so if you if you guys know us well, you know that we love American Horror Story. And we could not watch the season that is called Cult for many different reasons. Uh, so we watched 1984 when it came out, and it's amazing. That was the best one besides the very first yes. season. Um, love it. Love 1984. It re- well, it reminded me of watching horror movies when we were in... It, like, grade school. Yeah, junior high. Yes. And, um, so... I, so I was gonna go and watch Cult... And then I was like, no, yeah, no, I can't do it. Um, I think I'm going to have to watch Apocalypse. So I started watching Apocalypse last night. It's amazing. Um, And then maybe one day I will get to Cult. But I don't know. I have no desire to watch it. I don't. Um, If you guys are from Oregon, it's snowing just a wee little bit. It's more like icicles than it is snow. A wee little bit? Yeah. Did you pop over from Ireland? Yes. Recently? I did. I wish. <laughs> I wish. Um, I think that's it. Let's see. I started Fate, the Wink Saga. Yes. Which is why I didn't... <laughs> Do your homework. Yes. Because I was watching a TV show about magic. So, I was... <laughs> I was uh, investigating that way. <laughs> but that's actually a really good show, too. And then I don't think anything else really has been going on other than working and... Work is me, saying. Work is work. Yep. Yeah, so guys, um, it's about that time when we tell you to please rate, review, and subscribe. And... Uh, yeah, we'd love hearing from you. Um, Copper, our friend Copper, was listening to our third episode and was <laughs> stuck singing uh, Lump by... Uh, Presidents of the yeah, United Presidents States. Yeah, <laughs> Yes. Because they're my favorite band. <laughs> One of them. All right, so next week we go back to Missing People circumstances, something. We're going to do a little true crime next week. Yeah. 
All right. I think that's it. Yeah. So if you want to join our Facebook group, it's the two C's. Um, two is spelled out and then C's is S-E-A-S. Same as Instagram. The two C's podcast. Yes. Um, if you would like to send us an email about maybe a story you know, close to your heart, um, something that you're interested in, um, we have a Gmail account, too, with the let the number two. Oh, the, oh, the two. letter two. <laughs> the number two. The number two, S-E-A-S 2021 at com. And that's our show, guys. It's been real. Yep. See you later. Bye.